Krina and Kirsten get to work, we're talking about the great, the great big, the giant resignation. You know, the great one. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are here for Ease, Meaning, and Joy. Whoop, whoop. So why don't we dig into the great resignation? Thanks, friends, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. We're also recording from the land of the Coast Salish people. We are the beautiful land of the Coast Salish people. Uh, we just celebrated Labor Day a few weeks ago. Yeah, and it's fall. And the kiddos are back in school. Thank God. Good for them. Yeah, good for happy me. Happy for them. I'm happy for me. Happy for them. Happy for us. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how, A, how long we're able to stay in school or they're able to stay in school. And also if we see a response similar. I mean, you'll recall when kids came out of school, we saw a giant exodus from the workforce uh-huh. from women. Absolutely. And I'm really curious to watch the numbers in a couple of months to see if we've seen if we see the converse of that. This is why I'm so excited to talk about this topic today. Yeah. The great resignation, because I think it is the th- thing that's happening. It's the big change in our society right now. It's like right before our eyes, the whole labor force is changing. Mm -hmm. And there's so many influences that play into that. When we were researching for this show, um, I ran across um, Letters to an American by Heather Cox Richardson. And she talks about the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire in New York in 1911, where, um, and I'm sure folks will recall this and I start talking about this, but New York City, it was a clothing factory and the owner locked the fire exit door because he didn't want people to steal blouses. Which I wonder was, that had to have been a common occurrence back in the- Unclear. It's just unclear whether he was afraid People were going to steal. No, I mean locking, oh, locking the, the door. Yeah, locking the oh, doors. Was, I do. I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Treating workers in such an egregious manner mm-hmm. with a total disregard mm-hmm. for safety and a focus on bottom line had Which to have maybe been not even be a valid focus on bottom line. Frankly. Yeah. That's what I feel like in I, this case. Okay. Like I don't even know what he was trying. Yeah. To we put, don't know if they were. Who no. cares? Who care? Anyway, 147 young people, ch- you know, children, teens, young adults perished in that fire they were jumping out of the windows that was like it was hideous and because it's new york city so many people saw yeah right and that event triggered what is one of the more significant labor movements in our history and i i'm not saying that the great resignation is like that event but i do think it might be as impactful yeah I think this might lead to all sorts of shifts in the labor market, just like that fire led to all sorts of worker protections. At the federal level, right? State, local, state and federal level, all the way up to exactly that New York fire influenced federal legislation. Yeah, because it was not only not only so terrible, it was witnessed by so many and pointed mm-hmm. to, I'm going to assume, all of these workplace safety issues yeah. work, you know, just, yeah, general safety issues. Yeah. And the way that workers were treated. And, and I'm wondering whether the great resignation will lead us to the next step, 
So now it's not just about your bodily safety and whether you can actually go to work without being injured or killed, Mm -hmm. but that maybe we are learning how to go to work in a way that gives us more ease, meaning, and joy. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Our job would be done. Our job would be done. We'd be all done and wrap her up. But you know what I mean? It's like, I wonder whether this is the second evolution in the workplace. Yeah, I I think it is akin to that and to a couple of other major movements that have happened in the labor uh, market or labor history of Mm -hmm. labor Mm -hmm. in um, the U.S. And I think we should probably at this point, um, for the sake of our listeners, define what we mean by By the the great great resignation. And, and, you know, and talk about the stats because the stats are they're super interesting. Yeah, they are super interesting. So this the the term the Great Resignation was first coined in two, 2019, in fact, which is before COVID. Before COVID, mm-hmm. by a Texas A and M's um, Anthony Klotz, and he really had predicted a mass voluntary exodus from the workforce. And so back in 2019, here's this guy saying, I, you know, I think there may be a place, a point it coming up where. Again, this thing's happening. People just decide to say, forget it. And I think one of the things that motivated him to re, or one of the things that I should say led to that conclusion is baby boomers leaving the workplace. I mean, we have for, I don't know, five, seven, 10 years recognized that baby boomers are a huge percentage of our population and they are going to be leaving the workforce and retiring. Correct. But I don't think we saw the rest of this. Oh, he might have. I certainly didn't see the rest of this coming. No, I didn't either. And, you know, in that generations episode we did, we saw that, you know, for the first time ever, there are five generations in the Mm -hmm. workforce and those boomers are moving out. Mm -hmm. And the people who are even older than boomers were still in the workforce are still it's in the workforce so right now. Interesting how it's the silent generation. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing we're seeing obviously people generations moving on, you know, taking that retirement, not pushing, you know, the ex- or extra five years, yeah, or just or leaving, or, or, or some, and some are just going to be here indefinitely. Yeah, there's a there are people out there that will not retire, which I think is great. If you love your work and you want to do it, keep doing it. Yeah, which I think is one of the things in the great resignation that is so interesting, there's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. There are no, I mean, there's some generalizations you could make, of course, and you know, we're going to make them because that's what we do. That's the way we roll. Gross generalizations. (laughs) But I just want to point out that I keep seeing, ah, there's so many differences. Yeah. And we are accommodating so many different things. Yeah. So by so many differences, what you mean is there's just not one demographic Mm -hmm. of people who is leaving. Right. There's just not. Oh, yeah. Look, it's anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, in their 60s and 70s. They're choosing. It's people of all walks of life, people of all uh, generations, et cetera. But what is common is it's happening. And. So today we're going to dig into some of the statistics and and talk about not only what is happening, but what we've learned about why mm-hmm. it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think the second half of the show, I'm also really excited to talk about kind of, well, so what if I'm a worker and I'm feeling the same thing that a lot of these other people are feeling, thinking about jumping ship, thinking about changing jobs or changing careers. I think there's another piece of though, this, though, that, again, we're get, we'll get to later in the show. But as managers and business owners, absolutely, you know, there are other like recognizing what's happening mm-hmm. to the labor force now and seeing these statistics and making there are things that you can do to retain your staff, too. And there are things as workers that we can ask for that may make the difference in whether we're willing to stay or go. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's I'm excited. This is a big this is a show that kind of wrote itself, in my opinion. I agree. And I also think that this whole great resignation is interesting from a macro level 
because wow, what's happening with all the different pieces? How is retirement, immigration, children, lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. ease, meaning, and joy, people wanting more of that in their lives? How is that playing in? Yep. Kind of in, on the macro level for everybody with trends, right? Yeah. And how does it affect us individually? Yeah, the micro. What, what opportunities are presented for each of us in this whole wave of change and transition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it is a wave. Okay, Mm -hmm. so according to the U.S. Department of Labor, during the months of April, May, and June of 2021, so just... About six months ago. In the rearview mirror, Mm -hmm. a total of 11.5 million workers quit their jobs in three months. And that compared to the same month in 2020 was like, what, like three times as many workers? Three times as many workers, yep. And so even during COVID... Three months ago. At this point, COVID has been in place for a year. Yeah. So it's not like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been in place for a year and 11.5 million workers decided to leave. And that is an astonishing number Mm -hmm. in and of itself. And this isn't like being fired or... No, quit. These are people. This is oh, this isn't oh, like the business folded. These are people who decided. These are not to, layoffs. These are not terminations. No, these, these are, are people quits. who quit. I'm done. They call them quits, according to the uh, Department of Labor. Yeah, interesting. And there have been a lot of surveys to try to figure out what's going on. There was a survey of over thirty thousand workers uh, conducted by, by Microsoft, and really trying to dig in. Well. Who is even considering quitting? And they found 41% of the people they surveyed were considering um, quitting. Mm -hmm. If they eliminated, uh, sorry, when they just isolated the uh, Gen Z, which is sort of the up and comers, right? Mm -hmm. The people who are going to make up this labor Mm -hmm. force for us into the future. Over 50%, almost 55% of Gen Zs were considering quitting. Which was exactly what Gallup found, you know, very similar numbers. 48% 48% of all employees are actively searching for new employment opportunities. Yeah. Okay. So as a worker, if you are considering searching for new opportunities, you are joined by almost 50% of the labor force at this point. And managers and owners looking around at your there workforce. Are 50% of people who work with you. 50% of the people in that meeting you're about to go into are considering leaving. Whether they're going to leave and quit or leave and find something else. Yes. Yeah. That is astonishing. It's astonishing. And I think what you were saying earlier about the micro, macro level, what does this mean? It means that people are no longer willing to accept or are not finding ease, meaning, and joy or not finding the, the money that they want or the lifestyle that they want. They're reconsidering their priorities. And if we need, if we want workers, we too have to pay attention. We need to to be responsive. And this is not something that people, oh, I'm just thinking about this. Yeah. Inc. Magazine survey concluded that these, that 38% of these people want to leave in the next six months. Yeah. This isn't hypothetical. up and go. Yeah. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just say one other statistic 90% that, you know, showed us uh, 90% of retailers are struggling to fill empty positions. It's no wonder. Mm -hmm. And so we've got, like I said, we've got over 50, close to 50% of the workforce, including many of you friends who are listening, thinking about leaving your job. Maybe half of you. Maybe Maybe half half of of our listeners are thinking about leaving. That's what the statistics say. Yeah fascinating it's 
fascinating. And doesn't this like totally like, isn't this consistent with your own view of what you see around the help wanted signs? Restaurants with shorter hours, restaurants with less services. Even supply chain issues that we're yeah. having. Mm-hmm. People to drive the trucks to get the thing. People willing to work in the fields to harvest the food. People willing to serve it, sell it. Mm-hmm. All of those things. And I, I don't know about you, KB, but my clients are struggling to find Oh, to yeah. fill positions. I, you know, absolutely. In fact, when clients say, I don't need a bookkeeper, I need an HR person, I'm like, mm, yeah, good luck. Yeah, get in line. And also, if you want that person, you have to go poach them. Yeah, you and 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 salary, as we will discuss later, isn't enough. Yeah. So I think we've said it. I think we've said it and reset it. I'm just going to... And this next part is what (laughs) I find super interesting. (laughs) Just going to wrap it up, though. Uh, All of those statistics, the big takeaway is a shitload of people are either quitting or thinking about quitting. Which is shocking. Yeah, and it makes me think, well, geez, then there's going to be a flood of workers on the market. And I just as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, I wasn't thinking about leaving. Maybe I should. So for those of us who aren't thinking, maybe we should. What are all these other people saying that you're not? Maybe you should be. No. I know. Or maybe you found it. Maybe but you found what you were looking for. I'm, I said that in jest, but I do mean it. I mean, this whole environment tells me that there's something to look at. Exactly. Even for somebody like me who's, you know, pretty satisfied, satisf- you know, likes, enjoys her work, right? Yeah. Okay. The Go next ahead. part of the conversation is what is the one that I have really been thinking about a lot. All right, listen all up. the time. Listen up, friends. Why? Why are pe- why are we in this situation? Yeah. And I think this is what's so interesting about this topic. It is absolutely multifaceted. Yeah, like we said in the beginning, there's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different reasons people are leaving their jobs. We do though, how however, have some statistics that we poached that give us an insight Mm -hmm. i will say as a spoiler it's not mostly it's not about money yeah it's not about money it's not all about money it is really about and i'm going to use the word lifestyle but i don't mean it that way like lifestyle like you know i don't know that seems like it's insufficient to describe it but i think it's really about what people value Mm -hmm. how they want to spend their time Mm -hmm. What resources they need to have satisfaction. I mean, I think that this is a deeper question, which is why I think we're in the next wave of labor. Labor changes. Right. It's not just about our bodily safety at work anymore. It's not just about whether we're going to be injured or be killed. It's really about whether it's satisfying. Yes. Which I just love. So let's start with that first stat from LinkedIn, which is always an interesting source because they have so many stinking people. Yeah. And I don't know if they were actively pursuing or if this is just people respond. But regardless, they did a major survey and 74 percent of the people that they talked to or surveyed indicated that one of the biggest reasons the time spent at home, either during shutdown mm-hmm. or because you're working from home remotely has, you know, during the pandemic has really caused them to rethink their current work situation. So, you know, that alone, and I, and and look, I've experienced it. I know you have too. Yeah. Down being at home a lot and working from home 
And for such an extended period of time, of course, it's forced us to rethink things. It's contemplative. Yes. It requires, I mean, there's times when we just end up being contemplative when we normally would have been rushing around to soccer games or to do this with friends or to volunteer here or there, right? We're all, we were all, I think most of us anyway, slightly more, at least slightly more contemplative. And I'm going to say time spent at home means You know, that computer that's in the guest Mm -hmm. room that's calling my name to answer emails is in direct conflict with that child of mine who's asking for my attention. Mm -hmm. So I'm not at the office and able to sort of compartmentalize. I'm having on a daily daily basis, task by task basis, an opportunity to evaluate how I spend my time. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. And right in your face. Yes. Yeah, right in your face. That coupled with a whole bunch of other things that people are experiencing um, including stress and burnout, mm-hmm. it, you know, ha- is leading to this half of oh, in several surveys. It was more than we could um, pull together. You know, basically people are saying stress and burnout in their current position is the reason that they're looking elsewhere. And this is where I come back to values. We have one life. How do we live it? And it's not with stress and burnout. Right. People are just not accepting that. Right. And so and I wonder why we accepted it before. Is it because we weren't contemplative or is it because it's more stressful? Are we feeling more burned out now? You know, who knows? What do I think? I mean, you know, of course, I'm always going to tell you what I think. (laughs) That's why we have a podcast, Kirsten. Without without any whatever. (laughs) I think that people are more stressed and burnt out. I think that the way we live our lives has led to that. But I also think, you know, we talked about this in generations kind of calling back to that the discomfort that people were willing to bear for their jobs yeah. and their livelihood, it just was higher. Yes. It was higher. It is I changing mean, if we now. think about the great generation, everything they went through in World War II and all of those things, we just live very differently. Mm-hmm. And we're not willing to kind of make those. And I think there's some, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't say that with judgment. Yeah. I say that how is it that we still serve our community, love our families, care for our families, have meaningful work, but not be stressed and burned out? Yeah, not exactly. I think that is where the future generations are leading the way. I think so too. Yeah. Anyway. And it's and they're also shifting what I they really want. I really got off on that little tangent there, didn't I? No, friend? I love it. It's perfect. <laughs> that's why that's why I asked. You know, and so <laughs> what smack is in that head of yours, Kirsten? Well, no. And, and that's, you know, in line with again what we saw, dissatisfaction and mm-hmm. fear. Uh, is another reason people are leaving their jobs. Dissatisfaction with the way their current employer kind of does things. So not only am I stressed and burned out and having an opportunity in some cases to reevaluate my priorities because I'm working from home, I'm also a little fearful. I I don't trust my employer. There were a ton, a ton of layoffs. And I don't think that employers did a very good job communicating like, listen, we're going to take everybody down to, you know, half time or quarter time. Or if they decided not to, to say, I'm not going to take you down to quarter time because I want you to be able to go in unemployment. Uh So that will be a better solution for you during this. I just feel like people felt like their employers were more concerned about the bottom line than they were about the employee. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of dissatisfaction around that. Mm -hmm. And again, understandably, I'm going to assume a lot of that is generational, too. Right. And in the past, Krina, as soon as you had an opening, if somebody didn't like it, there's somebody else to take it. Yep. And that is not where we are today. Yeah. It has changed the relative leverage of labor and management. 
It's fascinating. It is fascinating. And and what's it, yeah. And it's interesting because I was saying this earlier. It, you would you would assume that if 50 percent of the current workforce is quitting their job, mm-hmm. that 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 would flood the market with available workers. And it's, it's not. not. And. It's not just the service industry that's having a hard time filling positions. And I can understand why in a lot of cases. And in fact, some of these um, Especially studies. Especially during COVID. Yeah, studies that we read. It's like, well, first of all, it's, it's well, I don't know if I take a job there. Are we going to get shut down in two weeks? Mm-hmm. I, that, I don't know if that's going to work for me. But also How personal. much crap do I have to take from customers around wearing masks yes. or, you know, doing yes. whatever? I mean, it's yes. just a tough time. Yeah. And, and in fact, like a third of people surveyed in, in another survey said that personal safety about having to return mm-hmm. was one of the reasons that they they were quitting their job. So I get that why the like on a fundamental level, I get why the service industry is kind of having a tough time finding workers. But even highly skilled workers, like you were saying, accountants and bookkeepers and executive positions mm-hmm. and you know things that are pay relatively well. It is it is there is not a flood of workers. Most of my employers are getting six applications, three applications. I mean, there's some, there's no question that there are some, you know, other folks who have different experiences, but overall mm-hmm. it's shocking to me. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. I've got clients who are offering jobs to people who then just turn them down. It is a workers. It's, it's this weird mix. This of, is what I mean by the shift. Yes. This is a weird mix of uh-huh. a competitive environment. Uh-huh. So if you've got, a great workplace culture, you pay well, you know, you have a good reputation in the community. You're doing meaningful work, You're doing frankly. meaningful work. You might get a competitive job situation. You may get two or three people who mm-hmm. you'd love to hire and you can only hire one. But in most cases, even people who get the applications, get the applicants, are offering jobs and people are deciding not to mm-hmm. take them. It's just... It's like nothing that I've seen in all of my work life and candidly so exciting to me. Yeah. It's really an exciting time. I want to ask you a little bit more about exciting. How Why, why is it exciting? Because I think that as employers, there has been more of a focus on the bottom line. And labor was seen as any other input into the system. Yeah. It was just, you know. And frankly, the most expensive. Yeah, the most expensive. And but like just another. Yeah, we have to go buy these supplies and have this equipment and buy this building and or rent this building. And then we need this number of employees. Right. Yeah. And I really think that we devalued humanity. And I think this whole shift is forcing us to reevaluate how we value other humans. Yeah. Right? Like other reasons that people are leaving the workplace. Like we know that a lot of families that were two income families reevaluated during COVID whether or not they could just go down to one income. Yeah. And have one person at home. Yeah. Right? Because they're valuing their own life experience. Yes. Right? Yes. Differently. And, right. Yeah. Differently. And I just think that employers are not able to, quote unquote, get away with dehumanizing people anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's why what I mean by we're in the second wave of labor. 
we can do better at this. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to imply, I totally agree with you. And I know we don't want to imply that if you're struggling to find workers that you're somehow automatically dehumanizing them. No, But I think that in general workers, it is a job seekers market right Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And so we're being more discerning. Mm -hmm. We're being more contemplative before we say no. We're learning how to ask questions or dig a little bit deeper before we jump in. And if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you're also learning and thinking more about what you yourself yes. need. And this is a great time to do that. Like you're saying, it, it, like, what do I value truly? Mm-hmm. What do I really want? What can work realistically provide me? Now, I would posit, to use one of your terms, that even those people who are seeking another job do have an opportunity to influence their own workplace and possibly get some of these things that they're seeking oh, without leaving. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's another opportunity. You don't necessarily have to leave to get what you want. Yeah. And I just, okay, so there's one stat in this whole list of stats that we researched that particularly affects women. And I want to make sure that we touch on that. Yeah, please. Because it was... It's just alarming to me and in some ways not surprising and just disappointing and sad and all of that stuff. As of May of this year, 2021, 1.8 million of the 5 million women who lost their jobs in 2020 have not returned to work. So in 2020, we lost 5 million women from the workplace. Yeah. Layoffs, all that. Quits. Yeah. Almost 2 million have not returned to the workplace, which is 40%. It's just, I do think, just as an aside on all of this conversation about the great resignation and these reasons, which is pretty applicable to both men and women, Yeah, I just want to acknowledge there is a deeper impact to women. There is. There's a completely deeper impact to women and therefore a real significant impact mm-hmm. to communities as we discovered mm-hmm. I can't remember what episode it was, but we were talking about women and COVID. And 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 it was when we first started exploring all of the, the mass exodus yep. from the workforce. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm really curious now that we're back in school, if we'll see some of these numbers change or tick up a little and bit. And it'll be interesting to look at the same statistic. Yeah. In December. In December. Mm-hmm. But what we also know, having done some deeper dives about women in the workforce, the top five jobs that women do a lot of them are service industry mm-hmm. jobs. It's home health care and nurse and teacher. The, and and here, we do know that those jobs are still there. They're still there. And I. this is what I'm going to be curious to see if women come back to them. Because there's, there's a ton of openings in the service industry. There's a ton of openings in health care. I don't have as good a data on, the, on um, teachers, but I know on those other two categories, it's just in December, we're going to make a note on my calendar check in on how many women have returned back to the workplace and tell our friends. Yeah. And, and, and part of it is because they're dissatisfied with their work. Part of it is, is, but also what we saw is part of it is because we don't have those fundamental safety nets that protect women in the first place, like affordable. Remember, like I like to call these now economic initiatives. Yeah. Economic. We do not have the economic develop initiatives to support women in the workplace. Correct. Yep. Childcare, housing, those kinds of things. Elder care. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, okay. 
This is so interesting. Do you understand? Yeah, go, I'm this sorry. This is so funny <laughs> when we do this because we get off on this jag and uh, what are those songs called they put together called mashups? Is that what it is? Mash-ups? I feel like we're like a jazz qu- we're duo. We're like a mashup with our episodes, <laughs> drawing them all together. I remember in the olden days on SNL, there were these two characters. I don't remember who they were. He used to sing, clang, clang, clang goes the trolley. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I yeah, love that so yeah. much. I feel like we were just doing that with our episodes as an aside. I feel like sometimes <laughs> you and I get on this, like, we are just on it. Ooh. And like I said, I feel like we're a, like we're a jazz duo. Like you're over there playing your t- whatever trombone, exactly. and I'm over here with the sax, and it's some it's going to come together at some point. But I do think I honestly, <laughs> and we're like friends, listeners. Please just oh, stick with it. We're going we're going somewhere. We're doing something here. But I do honestly think though that this energy around this topic is because this is a tidal wave. It is fascinating and interesting, whether you look at it from the market as a whole or as we look at it from our own individual situations. It's yeah, fascinating. it is fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about individual situations. Yeah, so if you are thinking about quitting, if you are thinking about making a career change, you know, we, I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to name drop another episode we did. I mean, there are like almost 70 freaking episodes Isn't at this crazy? point. I mean, I feel like you and I, I just got a Facebook memory from two years ago about we, the podcast when we talked about our money episode doesn't oh, i it f- love talking about doesn't money doesn't it feel like just yesterday we were talking about that money you know script? i talk about money all the time so probably but i just can't believe <laughs> facebook's now like hey two years anyway okay so we did an episode um about if now you lost your job mm-hmm. and i was thinking you know back in that episode we kind of talked about all of the things i would do if you found out you quit what's your triage how do you triage what do you need to yes. do and i was thinking along those same lines with okay if i'm considering quitting what are the obvious things I need to just like, let's knock these out. If and you're this cons- is really your forte, Karina. You give us a list of what to do because you're the good planner. Because I just help people quit their jobs. No, you're just a really good planner about things. And you're really good. You know, you're like the job prepper. So have at it. Well, I actually do have a several clients who are seeking more ease, meaning and joy personally and in their job. And so I do talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. First off, I would say if you are considering quitting your job, even though it's a job seekers market, I would recommend at least having a a healthy savings account or another job lined up before you take the leap. These are really uncertain times. So that you do not get get pushed in, pressured into taking something that may be worse than where you were. Yeah, you don't want to act out of desperation. You want to have flexibility. You want to have some opportunity. You want to have some room. Yeah. Then the other thing I tend to talk to folks about a fair bit is really trying to dig down into what you need and what you want. And this is a lot of values work, really thinking about... At a fundamental level, what do I need in my job in order to feel successful, in order to get that ease, meaning, and joy, in order to really feel good about the work what that I'm doing? What things do I really like about what I'm doing? What things do I really yeah. not like? Yeah. You know? So make that list. I've actually had women in tears saying, nobody's ever asked me, what do I oh want? Oh, my god! Nobody has ever asked me to make that list, what do I want? And I'm like, that's what I want to know, sister. That's yes. how we start getting to the good stuff. So figure out what you want, figure out what you value, do that work. Hell, go listen to some more of our episodes to do that work. You know, footnote, be your best friend, serve your best self and ask yourself that question. Yes. Right. Don't wait for someone to ask you. No. Get out there and ask that question. Do the be of the most surface you can to yourself. Write it down. Keep it handy because other stuff's going to pop up and you want to make sure that's a comprehensive list. I write it down so I don't forget it. 
Yeah. I can get a little shiny with the data. Like, oh, that's all fine. Oh, that's all great. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. But when I look back at the stuff I write, I'm like, mm, okay, KB. Yeah, that, so that's yeah. what was really going on. So mm-hmm. write that down. And then I always ask people to take a, a look at their current situation to see if there is a variable or two that you can change. In science, when we're trying to get to, to an optue result, you change one variable at a time so that you know that worked, that didn't, mm-hmm. that thing net a change or not. Maybe it's talking to your supervisor about, you know, some basic, some things that you might need that you're not getting. Maybe it's working from home more or less. Maybe the variable is the tasks that you do or the amount of money that you make, et cetera. But really, again, drilling down on what you want and then trying to have a conversation with your current employer, if you can, about how to get it. And then if you really aren't able to get it and you know in your heart you can't, trusting your gut and really doing a, a job search, it's different these days. I mean, I hadn't searched for a job in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've, I, you know, as many um, job applicants as I would review as a manager, as a leader, I hadn't been on the other end of it. And so coaching folks through that you got to dig in with technology. You got to set up job alerts. You got to update your LinkedIn profile. Don't, you know, don't poo poo. What am I trying to say? Yeah. Don't, don't, don't undervalue mm -hmm. the kind of the way that people are currently finding jobs. And I do think that, you know, this is one of those things where you do have to be pretty responsive pretty quick. Yeah. So here's a question that I have for you, Karina because you are talking to these folks who come to you because they're not fully satisfied Mm -hmm. to whatever degree with Mm -hmm. their current job. So what do you tell them about how they make a better decision next time? How do they not go from the kettle into the fire? Is that what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's such a great question. It's really hard. I mean, I think fundamentally a lot of it is know yourself, make sure you know yourself and what you need and what you want really, really um, well. But then you have to figure out how you're going to vet. How are you going to determine what I mean, some of these things, if you're going to a new employer and you see, I want X number of dollars or I want these working, I want to work from home, you know, three quarter time. Those are pretty easy to determine whether you're going to get mm-hmm. them or not. But what we know is that's not the stuff that people are leaving their jobs for. People are leaving their jobs because they don't feel valued or they don't feel um, like they're a, an effective part of the team or internal workplace communication is messed up or their or their um, coworkers don't share their values. I mean, these are real reasons why people are unsatisfied at work. And it's a little harder to vet a new employer and say, "How? tell me how you value your employees. Mm-hmm. But you can't. And in fact, I think this is the other big shift and like another big shift of this whole great resignation is people who are shifting or changing their jobs have an opportunity to be much more discerning about which employers there's they are going to work for. Mm-hmm. And so in that case of a client of mine who's having a hard time, they, were, they offered jobs and then people were turning them down, you know, at the job offer mm-hmm. stage. I think those workers were getting a, a vibe. That didn't jive with them. I think they were actually listening to their gut. So you can vet, you can, you can hopefully, if you can visit the workplace, that's a good thing. If you can talk to other employees who work there and ask them critical questions about how do they feel valued? What is communication like, et cetera? You can lean on your network, but do the due diligence 
to really start identifying what are those critical questions that you absolutely need answered and who's going to answer them for you. What do you think about asking during the interview process questions about values? Like, you know, if you go on somebody's website and you find their values, you say, tell me about how these values, you know, influence your workplace or create your workplace. Or if there's no values on the website, ask the question, what are your values? I think, I mean, are those things that employees should be thinking about? I think they should absolutely be asking those kinds of questions. They should be asking, how do you evaluate mm-hmm. performance? What's a successful employee? How does workplace communication go? I mean, I think those are all real. A, if I was an employer and an employee asked me those questions, I'd be like, shit, they're on top of their game. Right. And maybe even bringing the employer, the hirer, up to another level of their game. That's right. Right. To push them to say, oh, we didn't really have a great answer to that. Maybe we should be have a better answer to that. Yeah. But this, I think this all again, Krina comes back to this great shift in labor. You know, people retiring, people leaving to care for families, people leaving to care for parents. But, you know, there's less immigration, all of these things. You know, one of my kids said to me, and I was talking about this episode with him, he said, yeah, mom, but then automation's going to come along and take care of it all. Mm. And I said, you know, I don't, I mean, I know that auto, this is another thing that's going to influence. For sure it's going to influence yeah. the workforce. But I still think that employees, humans who show up with something very different than a robot are going to have some more leverage in the workplace. And I love listening to you talk about what that really looks like for people. Yeah. What does that look like for women who are are in the workplace? I just love it. The kinds of questions like you might ask your employer, um, you know, how do you do performance reviews? That's no one. I've interviewed a ton of people. I live with human resource professionals all the time. And I'm going to check my assumption on this, but I don't know that anybody's ever been asked that question in interview because <laughs> the world has changed. Now you can ask those questions. You think to ask those questions. Yeah. And 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 you can. We mm-hmm. should be feel empowered to ask mm-hmm. those questions. I remember a long time ago when I was an executive director and there was a shift like this in the dynamic between people who funded the work. And so in the nonprofit yes. sector, we, you know, ask foundations mm-hmm. and donors for, um, you know, donations for to grants. fund our grants, et cetera, mm-hmm. contracts to fund our work. And it felt very much the dynamic was really skewed. You felt like they had all the power and, you know, we were just coming there begging for pittance. And there was some, you know, seismic shift in the funding world where all of a sudden we were partners and and we were all working together towards the same thing. They were just one element of it. And I think that's, again, the same thing that's happening with 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 a workforce. You're doing these employers a favor by saying yes to work for them rather than them doing you a favor by hiring you. And giving you a job. And giving you a job. And my hope is that we can get to mutual benefit. Yes. That we can really see this as, like you articulated between grantors and grantees, a partnership. Yes. Yeah. And that is the mindset with which I encourage everyone to approach their new their job whether manager or or employee yeah in their current job mm-hmm. or their new job mm-hmm. I mean hell if a if a worker came to me and said I currently work for you and I'm not satisfied and I would love to work with you on addressing these things and stay here because it's aligned with my values or it's meaningful work but it's just not I would jump at the chance to try to create those conditions to retain them or to say to your employer I love doing these things in my job 
I hate doing these things. Is there someone we can restructure my job so I just do these things? Yes. Now, the answer may be no, but the answer may also be, oh, my gosh, yes. If this will make you happy, we will figure this out. That's right. Right? Yeah. And those are just not conversations that typically took place in the past. And I just love this great tidal wave of COVID, of of retirement, mm-hmm. of changing generations, of you know, how, you know, changing values around how much we're willing to work, what we're willing to contribute to work. Um, I just think it's an amazing opportunity. And I hope that the reason I wanted to do this episode and was so excited to do this episode was because this is the time for all of us to lift our heads up, Mm -hmm. to open up our hearts and minds and see the opportunity in this transition. Okay. And in line with that, I think that employers also need to pick their head up and open up their heart. And that means recognizing what your, what your workers Mm -hmm. value and recognizing that it's not just the hourly wage and the signing bonus Mm -hmm. that's going to keep people Mm -hmm. or attract people. It's having a trusting work uh, place. It's having good internal communication. Mm -hmm. It's having a sense of team. A sense of team. Valuing humans. It's it's valuing humans. Team and trust. Team and trust. That is what we are seeking. And that th- those employers who provide it will retain, mm-hmm. will attract retain and retain. Attract. And I do think that there has never been in my entire career what seems like a greater opportunity for ease, meaning, and joy than we have right this second. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so as long as we can define what gives us Mm, meaning, mm -hmm. as long as we can understand what ease feels like, Mm -hmm. and as long as we are prioritizing joy, we can find those elements in our work or elsewhere. And the organizations or the businesses that provide it, that listen, that respond and provide are going to get workers. Well said, friend. Thank you. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening out there, friends. Thank you. Yeah, I just hope that you can kind of see and feel and experience this transition in this really positive way, full of opportunity. We'll check back in December about yeah. women. What the heck is going on? We are going to figure that one out. Bye, friends. Bye. Thanks for listening. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 